G'day, K-Knights. AOS Coach here, and we are talking all things The Daughters of Cain. Yes, uh, there is a new book, as you already know, and uh, if you followed the channel in the past, you know that we have already done one episode focused on the snake variety. Now, I have an episode now which is going to be more focused, and we're not going to not talk about snakes, and we're not going to not talk about those things, but we are going to focus a little bit on the other side of the book, and that is more of the elf variety. And I have Peter Kokowski. Uh, I hope I've pronounced that remotely close. Um, Peter is joining us from Poland, um, was a awesome player in Team Poland. I've been following his Twitter handle for such a long, long time. You've got um, an amazing level of hobby. I love your um, your Cauldron of Blood, for example. You've got some really, really cool hobby, uh, and you've done me really well. So I hope that now you've had the Sippy Cup and you're all fired up on the Blood mm -hmm. Rights table, you can share some advice. Yeah, sure. Nice to meet you all. Uh, I'm Peter. I have been playing like Daughters, I think, since the first edition when the first book was like released. So that's a long time with like almost one army. I played some other armies, but most of my games in Age of Sigmar since like Daughter of Cain, Daughters of Cain book like came out was with Daughters of Cain. So yeah. I think, yeah. So that's like definitely my like favorite Age of Sigmar army, like by a mile. Yeah, I've I've been following your your handle for such a long time, and um, you're always got some beautiful hobby, and yeah, I've always known you as a as a Daughters of Cain player, and um, I'll never forget my first experience with Daughters in first edition, um, and just running those hordes and hordes of witch elves. I think what my mate Liam would run like 120 witch elves in Hagnar with like just absolute that's insanity and yeah. um and it's just like this is a murder blender yeah it is like they were like and the daughters of Cain's like armies i think change a lot so i think they always had like really good like internal balance within the book so you could play like like wide variety of armies and lists there was there was never like one list even with like witch elves some people use witch elves other people use like sisters of slaughter uh, some like people use snakes like you don't always have to play morafi like some people think it's like a must have but i don't so you can definitely run a list without her so i think like uh, for daughters of Cain, the book balance like internally was always always very good so basically you could, could take like any unit you wanted and it would work in a certain army yeah, I think definitely this updated book um, de makes it's much more balanced. It's much more balanced than the last book. Um, I tried running Witch Elves and I just got completely frustrated. They just didn't do a lot. Um, we've got a new model. We've got the High Gladiatrix, Gladiatrix, however you want to pronounce it, um, which has just been an absolute game changer for the Witch Elves, at least in my opinion. Um, and I'll get your thoughts and we'll talk a bit about yeah. how it all works, but you know, like paint the picture for me. I'm I'm new to Warhammer. I have never seen Daughters of Cain. I've seen these half-naked women with with knives and blood. Who are they and um, why why did you get into them? Uh, basically, the Daughters of Cain are the witch elves that like survived the like catastrophic, like the end of the fantasy-like world. Uh, and they are like followers of Morafi. Not always, but that's like simplification. But Morafi is now like uh, 
one of the biggest like heroes or anti-heroes in the age of Sigmar. So that's like her cult. So there is like a lot of stuff that was taken like from the fantasy, uh, from fantasy battle, like witch elves and like, the cold runs. Uh, but also she's like siphoning the souls of the elves into her own. Uh, that's the Melusai, the snake ones like uh, came to life. Uh, so basically that's like the quick like recap who they are basically they are like not good guys uh, but they fight for order because like basically like the order isn't always like the good like armies or good factions or heroes but they want like basically some stability and order so Morafi is very anti like chaos and all this stuff which is I think is a nice touch because she was like the chaos like worshiper in the fantasy days but she obviously was betrayed by Slanesh and then she break free and she hold a grudge against Slanesh and all chaos. Uh, so basically, that's like nice twist about the um, Daughters of Cain, because I remember that back in fantasy time, there was even like the army of Cult of Pleasure, which was basically Daughters of Cain's army, because it was like witch elves, Morafi, and all the stuff that was like, basically, there were like dark elves, but only the stuff from the, let's say, like witch elf like side of the dark elves. Uh, so it's like nice touch that in like in Age of Sigmar it's completely like different, and they are very anti like Slanesh. Uh, so that's really cool. I I came to play this army because I loved like elf armies, and it was the first like proper elf army released for Age of Sigmar. We had like Selvanev before, but it was like the first proper army with like actual elves. Uh, so that and then I loved like the models as well because the new models that were released like Morafi is one of my favorite like Age of Sigmar models ever. Uh, yeah, and then we had like I loved like the snakes. The both snakes are really nice. Um, the heart renders and life takers are also also modern models. And the old like witch elves like I think they still look like very good. So they don't seem like out of the place next to like new models that are being released by Games Workshop. So I think like it was like the combination of being like the elf army and also looking like models for me to start collecting them. So I immediately stopped playing like Sylvanev and started playing Daughters of Cain. And I never like looked back basically. No, they're a great army. I uh, fun, Funny you mentioned the Cult of Pleasure actually, because um, my army is actually Kitbash and converted to be the Cult of Pleasure. So my Sisters of Slaughter mm -hmm. all have um, Slanesh Demonet Claws. Uh, my Canary all have Demonet Heads. Mm -hmm. And um, I have that corrupted story. It's it's interesting. It's certainly not canon, given that Marathi now hates Slanesh, given that she went through the belly. She turned her from that beautiful um, sorceress to this corrupted belly like of a snake. And, and she's all messed up now. But uh, it's an absolute awesome army. I love it. Um, I'm sick of painting witch elf hair, though. It's a bit, <laughs> the detail kind of grinds my gears a little bit, but it's an overall great army, competitive, and um, I'm, I'm much like you. I really enjoy it. Um, I really enjoy the, the the faction. And it has a really interesting play style, um, especially when it comes to the witch elves, right? They're, um, they're, they don't have a lot of armor. They are fragile. They hit like a truck. Uh, and Marathi is such an interesting question um, that you pose to your opponent when you run Marathi because she is an absolute weapon. You might hear the terms hammer and anvil. She is both hammer and anvil, right? She can take so much damage, but she can also deal out a lot of damage. And she can, she's just the best of both worlds. 
Yeah, I think Morathi is like really like interesting piece like game wise. I always like loved running her because she can like dominate like whole movement phase because it forces like uh, my opponent to go like into certain places or to avoid her or not to avoid her. So uh, she gives like a lot of like flexibility to the army. So you can play like with different play styles, but use Morafi as well. And like I always liked her, like uh, like I said, like a movement piece because you can really dominate the movement piece just like putting her in the center of the uh, table like creates a lot of problems for the opponent. Uh, so so yeah, she, I think she gives like some least alive because if for example if you run a lot of witchels, I think you need Morafi to have like one that model that is isn't gonna die like in a turn. So that's really crucial for running, for example, a lot of witch elves, uh, because she can like she can tag a unit, she can kill some stuff that is like far away. So she can do like a lot of things. And then the small version gives you some like spell casting and awesome like command ability. So there's like a lot of stuff that she like brings to the table. And like in a certain army, like and also she can play like differently depending on the list. So if you go for more like a aggressive approach, you can like really charge with her in turn one uh, and go really aggressive. But if you play more like control style uh, of list, you can really like try to dominate the movement phase and use more of her like yeah, command ability and uh, other stuff that she has to offer. And if you and if you like Gan, by the way, um, and and she, it, it takes you a while to learn how to deal with Marathi. Um, and I, I love that you, at the top of the show you mentioned you don't have to run Marathi, and because it is a big centerpiece model, like seven hundred odd points. I think it's six eighty yeah. at the moment. It's a big investment of your points, especially if you're like me and runs a Cauldron of Blood. You're at a thousand points, let alone any of your support heroes, your battle line, and things like that. But you pose an interesting question to your opponent um, and there's a really interesting interplay where are you, do you be too aggressive? Do you hold her back until later in the game when she gets all her buffs up and, you know, do you, can you avoid the three points of damage every round to keep her survivable? Because you can lose her pretty quickly. You can lose her by the bottom of turn two if she sustains three damage. And look, this is not the Marathi show. We'll talk about Marathi in context, yep. but she's a great piece, but know that you don't have to run her inner daughters and there's a lot of a variety and and things you can unlock if you don't if you're not restricted that 700 points um in your in your in your list because it does allow you to run the hordes of witch elves sisters of slaughter doomfire warlocks you know endless spells there's a lot on the table and yep. um it's always the challenge of like getting everything into your list the canaries now are absolute you must take in daughters again I, I don't think i've seen any list that doesn't run two units of canary heart renders I don't think I run them. Like, I think I was like, it's more like of the taking the stuff that you like don't really want in a list for like battle tactic or not having that you need to have more stuff in a list. So in some armies I had them, but in the recent one that I like played, I didn't have them because I didn't think it was like, for example, when I was running like a Calibron list, I had like so much movement that I like, I would take them only for the battle tactic, and I didn't have like problems yeah, with doing battle tactics with that kind of army. So I think, yeah, but you, you can like definitely they help a lot. Like with if you want to have like more flexibility with battle tactics, because as the battle battle goes on, some of them are really hard to do. I even use them like 
in the first turn sometimes because sometimes on some uh, on some missions you don't have like easy battle tactic to do first round no no and and the uh the canary definitely will score you like probably three battle tactics maybe even four if they survive there's absolutely what they offer to the table for the 95 points each so 180 190 points um an absolute bargain to score your battle tactics but um one thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get into like the rules and I will get through the rules mm -hmm. and we'll show two of Peter's list, which is kind of put this into context for you all. And you know, we'll talk about the units and all those that, but um, we're currently playing in general's handbook, 2022 season one. So we're currently in yeah. season one. If you're listening to this, like in, in the future and uh, the, obviously the general's handbook changes, but in the context here of Gladian veterans, um, bonds of battle, gaze of Gur. How does Daughters of Cain stack up with the Gladian veterans, right? Because they're not very durable with their armor saves. So every point of damage is essentially two dead, which helps. Um, how do you find just the current meta for us? And what are some of the considerations for, for as a Daughters player? I think like, I think the changes are like generally good for Daughters of Cain because like you said, they are, they don't have like huge armor or like huge ward save. They die pretty quickly anyway. So I don't think, for example, the Bounty Hunters changes like a lot for Daughters of Cain if you are running like a lot of Witch Elves, for example. Because if some if something hits them, they would die like anyway. Because there is like they are not like very, very durable like units. So it can change in some like aspects, but generally I don't think it like hurts them. I think running some of them in Bounty Hunters helps them with the damage. For example, again against like Ninth Hound or other armies that, that, that had like a lot of armor because you have like a lot of attacks. So even if they are like high armor, they will always roll some like uh, bad rolls. So you will get like basically the double damage. Uh, so I think all this stuff is really good for like Daughters of Cain. One thing when they like suffer, if is you running like a lot of like snakes as a battle line, because if you're running like 15 Bloodstalkers, for example, they could die really quickly, like due to veterans rules, because they are fragile and then like they die quickly anyway. I, for example, I play like Hagnar list with like hard and like on the older book and five plus war saves. So they were like really hard to kill, but that list was like designed to counter like the dragons and iron jaws that had like a lot of damage. And those armies had like even more damage right now, if anybody like runs them. Some people still run dragons because they're like still the scroll is still so good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I think like the changes are usually like, I think for like certain lists that are like good for like Daughters of Cain. And you can, I think with list building, you can avoid like the stuff that is like not good for them. So you are not forced like to take stuff that would like die, die really quickly. Uh, so I think the one, uh, there is one like the, one scenario when you're scoring for like veterans extra points is like quite bad for Daughters of Cain because you don't have any option not to go like veteran units on battle line. So you will lose like six points in the scenario just like for free. Like usually if the if the opponent like focuses on those units, he'll probably kill them. I think I think for me, one of the things because I I don't want to paint too many witch elves. I think I've got about like 60 painted up in total. I don't want to run the horde. Um, and running units of 20 will die 
pretty quickly. So the way that I've been playing with them lately is I've really appreciated getting um, the lowest drops possible um, and getting the heart of fury up as soon as possible. Uh, I, I noticed how quickly my games will turn against me if I don't get the choice of taking the first turn. And if I'm up, up against like an ultra aggressive iron jaws, um, um, suns um dragons like stormcast if they get really aggressive and they hit me before i haven't got the heart of fury up and for anyone who doesn't know the heart of fury it reduces damage by one it almost like that that heart of fury can counter the bounty hunter so they're only taking the one damage and um i i found that has been really helpful for me and i've when i don't run bounty hunt uh, when i don't run battle regiment i get punished pretty quickly when that heart's not up I don't know if you've got the same feeling, but I'm just not running like lots and lots and lots of witch elves. Like, I think like my, like, uh, I counter this by like taking like a lot of small units because like, I think the meta went into like having like few really powerful units. So usually armies have like three or four big units. So by having like small multiple units, like help you trading them, etc. But like I loved hard like always because it's like such an easy like stuff to do, and it like gives like a lot of like things. I think I was like one of first players uh, who ran the hard like in the last edition. Like I I took the hard to the worlds as well because like the army worked like so much better. Like the Bloodstalkers and Morafi with hard like worked so much better as like the control army when they like to they could like took a like they could take like a lot of damage. So that's really good. And like, if, and if you are not a bound uh, against like bounty hunters, it's also helps because like, for example, like a lot of people are playing like Ron Spine and if it's like damage one, it doesn't do like any damage or almost any damage, but it reduces like it's damage like a lot. Yeah, it's a big centerpiece model. And if you can reduce the damage by one, it makes a huge difference. Bounty Hunter or no Bounty Hunter, I personally would never leave home without Heart of Fury. It's like my number one choice when it comes to endless spe um, spells and prayers. Like it's just the absolute number one. Um, between books, you know, and you mentioned you've been playing Daughters since first edition. Yeah. Have you known any units have gotten a real significant improvement between books? Uh, between like the last two or like all together. Yeah, like between like like between second edition. Like if I um if I've had the second edition book, uh, and now I've got the third edition book, and you know, is there any units that maybe have been revisited that maybe last book I wasn't using? Like Doomfire Warlocks, for example, perfect example that you never really saw Doomfires in the past. Now people are actually thinking about it for certain reasons. Um, I won't steal your thunder, but. Is there any any units that you would recommend people reconsider um, that have improved? I think like hard renders improved like a lot because now they like auto move like six inches and like I think in the last book nobody like run them because like shadow stalkers were like so much better than like hard renders of light takers. So you only took them when you had like ninety points left basically. So if you had more points, you always took like Shadow Stalkers. They were like so much better, more wounds, like better ability. They were fighting better, etc. So I think that's the one. And the second one is like definitely like Warlocks got like a lot of better. Like for them, only if they could like, because they can cast like endless spells now. So I think if somebody like wants to run a purple, purple Sun or Viper, 
having that plus one on a scroll like is pretty big. And then like I think some opponents when I use like uh, warlocks, they committed like a lot of damage into them. So it it helped like keep safe like other stuff. They were also really fast. So if you lose like two or three, they can take like unleash health for Morafi. So I think they are like much better now. And also you can put them into like bounty hunters and then they have like a lot of damage as well against like veterans and all this stuff. So I think those two units I like, got like significant like bump in like I think flexibility to add like flexibility to list and other like stuff that like Daughters of Cain didn't use like before because it wasn't like really efficient in points. By the way, a couple of call outs from the chat. Absolutely, Garn mentioning that um, a lot of armies don't have priests to banish it. So um, it's a great way to be non interactive with your opponent. They can't get rid of it. And then Maestro pointing out, you just got to hope that you don't roll. Because at the start of the combat phase, you're going to roll a dice and a roll of a six. Um, it explodes essentially. So you get your reduced damage by one and you get an additional combat boost. There's been plenty of times where it's happened that I rolled the six at the wrong time and I've just had to recast it. But there was one time I, I played in a tournament recently against Seraphon where I had Marathi and a buffed up unit of double-bladed uh, double witch elves explode at the right spot. And boy, oh boy, did I cut through that um, that Seraphon. Like, I think double Bastilladon. Like, there was just ridiculous Seraphon. Mm -hmm. It was just they were gone. So sometimes it works in your favor, but don't rely on the explosion of the six to hit. The, the yeah, and also, the like, talking about the units that I got better, like, I think I forget about one. The Avatar of Cain, like, right now is, like, pretty amazing. Even if you take it, like, on the uh, on his own. Because it's, he's got, like, the ward save. Like, it's really hard to kill. He hits, like, really hard. Buffs all the stuff around. And it's a totem, so you got all the buffs. Like, uh, in 18 inches, it can issue, like, command uh, abilities, etc. So it's, like, yeah, really, like, yeah. So it's a like really cool like piece right now, especially for like witch elves or something that you are like running different units. So yeah, if I wasn't running um Marathi, so I, if I lost those 700 points, I think I would go one or two avatars because I have a couple of more uh, hag queens on foot with the yep. sippy cup. Obviously, the um the the avatar gives you the boost to your prayers. So just getting more reliable. And the fact that the uh you don't have to animate the um avatar. And it hits like a truck and it can roar, if I remember correctly. Um, by the way, the Blood Viper also roars, which is pretty cool. So um, I think like cool I think I think like Blood Viper can only like smash to rumble and and stomp or something like this. All right, there's a couple of monstrous rampages. I'll have a look at it. I, I know the Blood Viper uh, because the, I the, think they reduce them like for the of Cain, so they don't they don't stomp. Do, like, it's a stomp. It's a stomp. Yeah. yeah. So the the Blood yeah. Viper is a stomp and a smash to rubble. It can't do the other two. Yes, I yeah. remember it was some. It was restricted. But you can kill a terrain with it. For example, like a Hearthstone or something. Is there any units that you don't like in in the current book? Um, I'm a bit funny at the moment with um, with uh, Sisters of Slaughter. Now that they're 135 points and Gladian veterans, I'm a little bit funny on them at the moment. I don't know if you feel the same. Um, uh, Michael, I'm pretty sure that it's been replaced. So when the FAQ came out and the, and the Viper had lost the Monstrous Rampage, I'm pretty sure recently in the last like week or two, that's yeah, actually they, been reversed. Yeah, they have reversed, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So we've got our monstrous rampage back on the Viper, uh, but there was a short period of time where we, yeah, yeah, we, we've got it back, which is awesome. But back to the question: Is there anything that maybe you don't like as much? I know for me personally, Shadow Stalkers are a little expensive, and yes, you can make them Battleline and Calibron, but um, I feel like at 150 odd point mark, Shadow Stalkers are maybe a little bit too expensive for me personally. But is there any units that you don't like? Yeah, I think like Sisters of Slaughter are are a big like good shout because they they lost like piling six inches is cool, but they are not like as good. And also, as I remember correctly, some of the battle tactics work only for witch elves because we got two for extra points, and one is for Sisters of Slaughter and witch elves, and the other one is only for witch elves. So you don't even get that. Uh, and then they are just like more expensive for like fragile unit, but I don't like life takers as well because they are like so much wars and hard renders. They don't have like auto move. So that's the big, like big difference between them. Uh, I, I kind of like like shadow stalkers. Like if you can take like them in like Calibron being battle line is really cool because they, you can really work around the, um, the stomping ground rule because you can like, block something and teleport them onto their objective once they are like they are one of the units that work really good like as veterans so if you could take them as battle line i think they are much better than taking them like outside in other armies uh, but i think like because if you got like 150 points it's better to take two units of hard renders basically it's, and that right there is why I said that I'm not a big fan of uh, the Shadow Stalkers. It's not that I don't like the Shadow Stalkers. It's the fact that my list normally will have two units of Canary Heartrenders. And then if I add the Shadow Stalkers, it's like, what well, do I just get a third unit of, of, of Canary? And there's pros and cons on obviously either way. But for me. Yeah, but you will have like too, too much units that do basically similar thing. Like, because you want them like behind enemy lines. So both of those units can do that basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one final question before I get into the rules is we've mentioned there's a new unit. You've got the high gladiatrix or gladiatrix or Mrs. Whippy. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Do you like her? Um, the FAQs obviously come out and clarified the Achillean King stuff that um, now we don't have to worry about rules overriding yeah. each other so we're kind of in a good spot now but how do you find our high gladiatrix uh, i have run her like in almost any list that have like witch elves like i think she's like amazing stuff for like any witch elves army even if you take like 40 you could like afford her because she makes like witch elves so much better so basically changing the wound rolls to three plus is pretty big and the extra end is huge and then she's also like she's 90 points for six wounds so she's like really funny and then she got like this like really funny rule with like killing stroke i almost like killed i think five varangars with it because if if they are like a hero you can like wipe like whole unit with it uh, so i think yes she's like i think if you want a witch elves it's like a must-have unit you got to have one or two in any list that like run like witch elves because like witch elves with her, I like really, really good because without any bluffs, you can easily go to three plus, three plus rend one. And then you have like a lot of easy to achieve like buffs like available. So it's not like you need like a spell or something. Basically you need to survive to certain like certain round or roll a prayer on two plus or roll a witch brew, which is like auto. So 
a lot of stuff is available to make them even much better. So that's cool. And they, I think they work in almost any like temple. Obviously in Dry Chiganev, they are better on a charge, but I think there is like the strong case for taking them in Hagnar as well, because you then get like buffs much quicker. So you kind of like take the rent out, but you get like better hits and better wounds like much faster. So I think there is like, I think there is like argument to use them in Hagnar as well. I think depending on the meta, like in Hagnar, obviously you don't have to charge with them to get all the buffs. So that's a plus as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've absolutely loved running the, my witch elves, my, my double-bladed witch elves into using Drakey to get what Ren minus two. If I have throw a purple sun out, we're now at Ren minus three. Uh, 60 attacks with 20 models. I can do exploding sixes with all that slaughter, or is it catechism of murder? There's just so many ways I can just night haunt. You got 20, 20, you know, unrendable or not even night haunt. Like I've got enough attacks to deal with night haunt, but I've also got enough rend to pull down, you know, the finest hour mystic shield yeah. type hero. So, you know, you've got a lot of good flexibility in the army. Um, at least I found. Yeah, I think Gladiatrix is like awesome addition. Like, I think she's the like single reason that like Witcher's armies can work now, because she gives them like so much stuff to to do like different things. Like, like you said. Yeah, I I was running a, a similar list, funnily enough, um, in the in the in the old meta, in the old General's Handbook before the High Gladiatrix came out. And I just found in the safe stacking meta where you've got all that defense and all that good stuff, um, my witch elves just bouncing. They were just like, I throw all the attacks at them, but because there was Mystic Shield, Cover, Finest Hour, you know, all that defense, I was just getting no attacks through. Now that I've got I've got the high Gladiatrix in there, as well as potentially Drakey, um, yeah, they just do so much more damage. Yeah, I think also like the changing like all the statistics is also like awesome for them. And and the witches got like a little bit cheaper. Yes, so, yeah, they so got cheaper. As well. The characteristic change means that when we get into battle round four, you get the pluses. But hey, we're talking rules. Let's actually bring them up, and um, I'd love just some of your perspective on how you think about the rules. Ignore temples for a second because we've actually got the temple rules coming up uh, on the next slide. But I'll go through a couple of the rules. I'd love your perspective. Are these things that you build around? Are these things that are nice to have? Are there some considerations? First one being Battle Fury, the heroic action. So instead of using like heroic willpower, recovery, et cetera, et cetera, you can use this on a hero that's not a monster and you get plus two attack characteristics. Um, so it, it, you can't use it on mounts and things like that, uh, which means that you also can't give it to your companions and Things like your avatar of Cain is not going to get benefits if it's on the Cauldron of Blood. But do you like Battle Fury? Is this something that you rotate on, or are you finding more things like heroic willpower, getting the command point, finest hour type things? I think it's like I think it's like really nice addition. I use it like several times because like it's really cool on like Morathi on a small one for sure because uh, she now has like rent two on her spear. So you got, and she has like two profiles. So you got like a lot of attacks back uh, with this. So the, it's really cool on Morafi. And I think like the other one is Gladiatrix. She also has a lot of attacks. So with it, she can, for example, like almost wipe out like small unit of 10 like skinks or some free, free guild guard or something like that. So it could came handy. Or if you want to like maybe finish off some hero, 
because like that's a lot of like rent one attacks so it could be like really handy at, at times but it's not something that you like use very often it's more like having like a nice bonus to help you in some like some tough situations because for example Morathi with it and mind razor she could like kill a lot of stuff obviously so it helps but it's not like it's nothing that you build like list around no, I, I agree. It's it's situational at best. Um, there are a couple of use cases. I think, as you said, Marath, little Marathi, the Marathi cane is a good use, but there's not a lot of heroes that I would kind of want to use that over generating an extra CP. Like I'm always using CP, you know, whether it's Marathi fighting in the hero phase or allocating that command, all out attack, all out defense, you know, re-rolling a charge, whatever it might be an auto run six um, to, to run and charge with, with the witch elves or sisters of slaughter. Um, those I, I'm always burning CP. So um, I probably, yeah, it's like, it's really CP heavy army. Like sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. Which is why like, yeah. it's nice to have, but it's, it's super situational for me, yeah. but the one that I'd rather spend, I'd rather get that free CP for is this thing here, the all out slaughter. I absolutely love all that slaughter. So it's a command ability for Daughters of Cain in the combat phase. Uh, and if you do so, essentially it's exploding sixes. So for every unmodified six to hit, uh, it will score you two hits instead of one. You still got to make a wound roll and a save roll, but it basically will get exploding sixes. Yeah, some um, extra attacks. Do you like it? Yeah, if, uh, yeah, I use it like when I play Hagna, I use it like a lot. Because if I don't, I think all out attack is like a little better, like math wise. Uh, but if you got a plus one to hit already, that's like really good, like on Morafi or any like almost any unit. Because basically, that's extra attacks with friend. Because whether you use it on Morafi or use it on like Witchels, you will get like extra attacks, which is really cool. And it like it synergizes well with like a plus one to hit rolls through from the blood rights, basically. So it's not like re-rolling once anymore, but plus one. So you, that's basically allowed attack for like whole army. So then you can like to spike the damage up, you use like allowed slaughter, like because like it's another thing that gives you like more damage basically. Yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful command ability um, because as you've said, as you progress through the blood rights table, you get the plus one to hit in turn three. Obviously, we can get to that those abilities earlier. So do I need extra pluses to hit? Probably not. Um, the only thing that, to consider, and um, I've noticed this a few times against me in the, in the current General's Handbook, is, is with no um, Hunters of the Heartland. So in the last General's Handbook, you could uh, be immune to raw. Now that there's no Hunters, um, you can get rawed at, which means that getting all that slaughter isn't a reliable command ability because um the wrong opponent at the wrong time can roar at you boom no all that slaughter so just keep that one in mind yeah but then you can use it on morafi <laughs> yes if you've got multiple combats of yeah. course and by the way i love using it on morafi because if i've sippy cupped or if i've got um catechism of murder not catechism of murder a uh, sacrament of blood if i put yep. sacrament the prayer on her uh, and I'm already got the plus one to hit. Uh, getting the all that slaughter on her eight attacks that can do serious damage. At times, I've even got it to spike with her damage six profile. Um, I rolled yeah. a six to hit. I've then got two of those, and it's just absolutely annihilated my opponent. Yeah, that's really like I think like I like like I like it a lot. Like it's another like option that you can have. So 
it's also like stuff that basically all those stuff you will use in your battles. So it's not like the, those like extra abilities or something that's like only put into the book to be there, but they have like they like a lot of uses on the battlefield. Yeah, I've always got a CP up my sleeve to make sure that I use all that slaughter. Always, like especially if I run Marathi, I want to have something to use it if I need to burn at the top of the hero face to use her command ability, and I always want to use all that slaughter. Um, you've got your fanatical faith, so uh, it's now been clarified. It's now a ward save, so the faction as a whole is going to get a six up ward, which is nice. Yeah, it's like it. It, it always have been like that way. Yeah, I mean, like it's been clarified a little bit because fanatical faith wasn't technically a ward in the old book. Oh yeah, some it, weird... it, it did, yeah, it didn't work against like mortal wounds. There was a weird, yeah. weird interaction, but it's been clarified, which is great. Um, and then yeah. the final piece that I want to talk about before we get into the sub factions is the blood rights table. So that's been fundamentally changed. It's very similar to what it used to be, but instead of getting reroll ones, they've been turning into plus one. So. Turn one, you get plus one to your run rolls. Uh, turn two, plus one to charge. Turn three, plus one to hit. Turn four, plus one to wound. Turn five, uh, a five up ward. Now, there are opportunities that you can get into the blood rights table earlier. Peter's already mentioned um, Hagnar gives you plus one to the round. Uh, the sippy yep. cup from the witch, uh, the hag queen gives you plus one. Um, and, and yes, the um, yeah. And yes, there was a technicality in the old book that little Marathi didn't get the ward safe because of fanatical faith and how the wounds get passed along. Now, with it being clarified as a ward, little Marathi does get a ward. Good news. Yep. So what's your thoughts on the blood rights table? Um, do you like the change? Um, how do you think about it? Does it come into consideration with your list building? Uh, yeah, obviously, because if you go for Hagnar, it's always like for this like blood rise to go faster. So if you like basically, if you decide to go Hagnar, you decide to play with like blood rise more. And I think like I like all the changes like a lot because, for example, like plus one to charge rolls is usually better than rerolling ones, especially if you are like teleporting some stuff. So it's better for hard renders. It's better like better for shadow stalkers. Uh, and also like plus one to wound rolls is better than rerolling ones because usually you had like free up. Don't not many like I don't think we had any stuff that like wounds on two plus anyway. Uh, so I think I think it got like a little better. It's not like it's not like a whole like big change, but it got like a lot. Of, I think it got like better enough to play around with this. Like for example, the Hagnar, even though it lost like five plus world save from the general. I think it's still playable because of how good the blood rights are if you like stack them like really fast. I think the you know the simple thing here is that the um headlong fury means that I can't fail a three inch charge. Like that yeah, that the, to me yeah. is it, it, I don't have to worry about it using a command point. Um you know, the plus one to hit, the plus one to wound. It depends on what you're doing, right? You know, if I was running a bucket load of dice, you there might be an argument that re-rolling ones, but for most situations, the plus one, the consistency is just better than than getting the re-roll. So um the blood rights table is absolutely critical. And I'm always looking at ways to manipulate that. And as we've said, there's spells, there's abilities that we can tap into uh, the blood rights a little earlier. So I don't have to hold back till turn three just to get plus one to hit. 
Yeah, but it's like I think that's why the daughters of Cain like with like armies are really good because those all those like bonus like basically they they stack and then they uh, they also like give powerful bonuses for like whole army. You don't have to be like in a range. You, you just go into like certain like battle round and you get like those bonuses like automatically. Yeah, yeah. Like when you look at the table initially, you feel compelled to hold your army back till turn three. But knowing how fragile you are, you want to be looking at ways to kind of manipulate and tap into those abilities because you're not going to last till about around five to get your five up ward um, because most of your army will be dead. So um, yeah. there's a lot that you can play around with the blood rights. Yeah, exactly. Which leads us into, we kind of talked about some of the manipulation, like Hagnar um, gets you plus one to, to the current battle round. But as a witch elf or an elven player, let's say it's not just necessarily witch elves, but your sisters of slaughter, your doomfire warlocks. If I was somebody who was building around the elven side as opposed to the snake side, um, what are the sub factions do you think kind of play well for me right now in, in the meta, or at least for my faction? So I think like the first two, like the Hagnar and Drake, because they they can really make like witch elves better. You don't want to use like Calibron like with witch elves because they are like fast enough to go when, whenever like you want basically, uh, and it like it don't bring like anything to the to the army. The same with like Kelnar, like retreat and charge is cool, but you don't. I I don't think you need it like in the Daughters of Cain army because you whether like kill the stuff on charge or the stuff will kill you. So like the retreat and charge isn't that good because like your units usually don't survive like the battle or battle like the round of the uh, combat basically. And the Interkai is basically only for uh, only for the snake armies. I don't think the crave is good. Like it's it has always been uh, in the books and it has has always been like not really good. It got better because it's like a four plus now instead of like the six plus, but. It's still like not enough to run like whole army, not on the competitive level. If you want like some friendly maybe games that you have like a lot of fun with such abilities, I think it could be cool. But I think if you want to go with like a lot of elves, I think the Hagnar and Reiki are like the best. Yeah, if if the Crave wasn't restricted to specifically Sisters of Slaughter, I may be tempted to at least have a play. But the fact that it's forcing me to go around Sisters of Slaughter really pulls me back from the Kraith. Um, absolutely for a, a, a Witch Elf heavy or a Sisters of Slaughter heavy build, I think Hagnar and Drakey are definitely my favorite ones. Um, there's value in, in Calibron, I think, absolutely. There's another one that um, I, I quite like. Obviously, as you mentioned, Xanthakai, Snake Focus, Keltner, I agree with you. Keltner, Retreat and Charges are so situational. So, um, like, do I want to rely my whole sub-faction benefits to a situational um, set of rules? Probably like not. It's only good for Morafia, I think. If you have Morafia, actually it's got much better. But Agreed. Agreed. So Calibron, mostly Hagnar, mo mostly Drakey, I think, are, are the ones that I would tap into. Yeah, like, like I think definitely like Hagnar and Drakey like the best ones. You can like run Calibron, but I think it's like much better if you get like some uh, both snakes in there to for like Calibron to work. 
I, I must admit, I did like the second edition version of the Calibron rules as opposed to the current one, which is actually what it used to be in first edition. So they've been going back and forth, back and forth on the Calibron rules. But when it comes to in your enhancements and we start going to army selection, yep. do you mm -hmm. have any favorite command traits that you like to tap into or do you use more like the universal ones? No, I always use like uh, Zellius Orator because like rally on far class is like so good and it, it helps like daughters of Cain army a lot because you got a lot of stuff that is dying quickly so it's one of the mechanics that can keep you keep like some stuff going on so like rolling on four plus give you like ability to recycle some units so it's like pretty like i think it's like the pretty good change that like for example daughters of Cain armies has this ability because it like helps to balance them being fragile without making them like really tanky, which is not really like correct with the lore. So I think it works like on on the competitive level and also on the like uh, the fluff of the lower level of the army as well, because I think it's like so much better than anything else that like Daughters of Cain can take basically. Yeah, as Elite Four, uh, uh, Elite Four Blue has mentioned, the four-up rally is just absolutely nuts. It allows you to run a block of 10 to 15 snakes, and if a lot of them die on a four-up, um, they come back, which is two wounds apiece. If you're doing it with your Witch Elves and you have a unit of 30 Witch Elves, you, you know, you're rolling a lot of dice to bring them back, and um, it's just absolutely crazy. Zealous Orator is definitely the auto pick for most people. But if you didn't get to pick that one, let's just play 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 a funny game. Um, what's your second favorite one? It's just it is too it is it, as Maestro said. It's just absolutely too good to look past. Yeah, I think like if you run like a lot of like snakes, like fuel by revenge is like really cool. Uh, but if you don't, I think like the sacrificial overseer is like the best one of those like that are like available because if you take like the cauldron for example. Because basically yeah. you can fight like twice with the cauldron, so that's really like that's really it could be like really good, much better than like gen generic ones for sure. So yeah, I mean like Master of Magic is a good one. Um, I don't mind True Believer maybe for like a cauldron if the cauldron was going to be my general, but yes, I think Zealous Orator is definitely the one that I would go to, um, and it's, it's pretty yeah. obvious why. It's just it's just too good, and it kind of counters as well. The bounty hunters right you know if our people are dying really quickly there's a great opportunity for me to be able to bring that unit back up um potentially deny grand strategies or um to to keep my gladian veterans on the table just by retreating them from from combat then using a rally um yep. in the next hero phase yeah and it's like like i said it's also like nice change because like the hearse of kane went from like really tanky because you could have like Hagna with like Heart of Fury, Blessing of Cain. So you could have basically like four up safe and then a five up world with like rerolls and minus one damage. And you don't have that now. So I think that having like some like uh like comeback mechanic is like really really good for like the of Cain. Especially if you run like a lot of like big units. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, and I love putting it on like a cauldron of blood or you know, something with a really large base. It has a lot of influence. 
which kind of leads me to the second combination. And um, do you have any particular artifacts that you like? So um, generically, there are four command, uh, sorry, four artifacts. Wizards, there's another three. Priests, there's another two. Uh, unfortunately, the Iron Circlet, which was an absolute why I always took Warlord, just to get that second artifact. Uh, unfortunately, the Iron Circlet's disappeared. But is there a particular artifact or maybe two artifacts? So I think we we know the obvious choice here. Um, what's your favorite yeah. first? Yeah, my favorite is obviously like Crown of All because like it's so good and like it has been always in like Daughters of Cain books. I think it dates back to the fantasy as well. It's like I think it's like the really like item that has been forever. Uh, but now it's like now it's like really good, especially on the cold run when you got like the huge base to go like the because the range is like really good. Even the nine like nine within from the big base is a lot, and blocking like uh, rally and inspiring presence like really really awesome. For example, especially if you like playing against like beast of chaos that can like rally on four plus or some some units that have like low bravery so like there is like a lot of stuff it will really came came in like really handy so that's the one and the second one is like the shadow stone because if you take like the medusa like the plus one to uh spell casting from the lore so you have like basically mind tracer at plus one so that's the two that i like really like Yep. Can I ask you a question just for the, for yep. the folks at home? Um, you've talked about Crown of Woe being just an obvious choice. It's a powerful choice. Yep. If you look at any tournament list, Daughters of Cain nine times out of 10 is taking the Crown of Woe. Why is it, in your opinion, that the fact that an enemy unit cannot issue a rally or inspiring presence while they're within nine, or obviously that, that kind of increases to 15 inches if the, um, the, the artifact bearer kills something in, in why is that powerful like why is that so good because like stopping the unit from like inspiring presence is like i think it's huge for in age of sigmar because like sometimes the battle like uh come down to like few units on the table in the last turn that can score so like limiting the number of the units on the table is really like really huge because sometimes you can like lose the points because opponent can have like a unit of two models that can like retreat, take a, a objective to some battle tactic. Like a lot of battle tactics like uh, makes you have two units to do something. For example, two units in like opponents like territory, etc. So I think the reducing like the units on the table is huge. And like inspiring, pre like blocking inspiring presence like helps you with it. I, I, I used like inspiring presence on like which else when there were like one or two left, like a lot, because then you can retreat them, you can rally them back. So there is like a lot of stuff like going on with like reducing the number of like the units on the table. I think it's like really important, like in Age of Sigmar. And the same with rally. If you block the rally, for example, you can block like, I don't know, like, like I said, Beast of Chaos coming back or dragons being like rallied on a six. So you take away some of the options for your opponent to like came back into the game. So I think that's like really cool, like cool item to have, especially if you like like the cauldron, because you want the cauldron in the center of the witch house anyway. So it's not on a hero that's like being back, like being like only supporting some units. 
Yeah, it, it's absolutely monstrous. Like if you are trying to take over an objective, uh, it's a great way to kind of get some additional attrition into high bravery type units who can't issue inspiring presence. Um, you know, like there's just a lot of great things you can do with that. So um, absolutely crown of woe, um, especially as you mentioned, Cauldron, because if you think about the big Cauldron base, whether it's the Slaughter Queen or the Hag Queen, um, that massive base, then you do a nine-inch aura or a fifteen-inch aura, and the cauldrons with the with the avatar of Cain will, will, will kill that model. Like it does impact hits on the charge. It then does um, a good amount of attacks for you to benefit from killing a model, which then turns that aura to fifteen for the rest of the game. So um, yeah, that that's why for anyone who doesn't quite know why it's an absolute standout artifact. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, like it's the one that you like almost always take. What about your spell choice? So obviously, Marathi knows the entire lore of shadows. But if you're picking another type of wizard, um, what are your what are your wizards and priests kind of you know? What are the ones that you're tapping into? Like, let's start with the the spells. I always go like obviously with my tracer. It's like it's harder to cast now, but if you don't take Marathi, you take like Medusa with Shadowstone, basically. So she cast it plus one and it's like so powerful that even though you can like cast it like once or twice a battle, it's still like worth it, especially that the like adult spells aren't like great. Obviously, if you have Morafi, you use like Weathering a lot because like for like a lot of bonuses, but then you got the bonus from the blood rise as well, plus one to wound. So it's like not that like important. Seed of Shadows is really cool if you, for example, run like multiple wizards. So if you, for example, run like Bloodrack Shrine, it's like really awesome on Bloodrack Shrine because 16 inches and fly is like a lot. So you can take like the point, you can retreat 16 inches as well. Uh, I did like several times like retreating like the shrine away on a point. So that's really cool. But I think like the rest of them, you, you wouldn't take them as like one spell. So obviously you always go with Mind Razor, maybe Steed of Shadows, but then like Morafi knows whole like all of it. So yeah, obviously if you've got Morathi, you don't have to worry about this selection. But yeah, I find I'm rotating between Mind Razor, Withering, um, Steed of Shadows, and Pit of Shades, even actually with, with Nurgle and some of the slower troops, I've been able to get some good damage from Pit of Shades. But if I only had <laughs> one caster with one spell. It wouldn't be Pit of Shades. It's more like something I'd have up my sleeve. But yeah, Withering yeah. and Mind Raise are probably my top two. Steed of Shadows, especially with those cauldrons that are quite slow. If you give it a like an artifact, like Arcane Tome, um, yeah, absolutely. Getting it sixteen inches is is huge. Yeah, but and for the like for the prayers, I always go with like Sacrament of Blood because I usually like run one hug, so it's like always like one prayer. And then if I had like more hugs, it depends what I would go with. I think the healing is really nice. And if you run like a lot of witch elves, like Martyr's Sacrifice could be a nice way to, for example, put on a screen, uh, put on a unit with bucklers. So like by killing this unit, like opponent will like get like a lot of mortal wounds back. And then you can, if like some of them like survive, you can rally them, etc. So it could like, it could like put opponent into a situation that like it needs like this unit needs to be charged because it's like screening different stuff, but you will get like a lot of mortal wounds back. 
So I think like those like three are my favorite. I don't really use like Catechism because like we got all out slaughter for that. So it's not like that important. Blessing of Cain doesn't like interact really with five plus world save. So it's not worth it. And yeah, and like also maybe immunity to battle shock, but I don't think anybody like runs a lot of like units of 30 or something. I, I do like catechism, I will say. Um, it gives me a, a second option to to do the exploding sixes. Or it's a fail-safe that if I get roared at, I know that if I'm going into a monster, I don't have to worry about uh, being roared at because I can still use um, the, the exploding sixes and it gives me a second um, all-out slaughter somewhere else. Interesting question, though, that um, Elite for Blue has mentioned is, do you have any thoughts on using Curse? Curse being the universal prayer. Um, any, any thoughts on, on Curse? Uh i didn't use it like a lot i know there is like the option to have the auto cast for extra mortal wounds but i i didn't like use it i think it's like too like situational stuff now, I'll, I'll talk curse for a second do you want to handle your dog yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> we're live folks we're absolutely live um with with curse, I just find that it's too um too too situational. You've got to be within nine at the start of the hero phase to action curse. So to um and you got just, to again, take too uh, situational. And you got to take an item for it to be auto. Basically, if you want to take this, you need like the the item that auto cast a prayer. So I don't think it's worth all the like all the stuff that you like living at home basically. So, because you got to have like extra item, I think. I will say on the cauldron that can cast uh, as a priest, um, it's not bad because the cauldron is traditionally going to be within nine inches of an enemy. So, it's not a bad little option. But if I'm thinking about my prayer options and I've only got one prayer, and also I've got the Heart of Fury going up, that's always going to be a, a spell, a prayer I'm going to cast. Um, it's just one of those things. So. Yeah, I, I'd probably go sacrament, catechism, then... Did you want to go handle your dog? I can keep talking. It's yeah, yeah, I will go for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the channels of life. So we got, yeah, so uh, curse is good, but I probably would um, more go towards catechism, sacrament, or one of the others. Um, you do have some other grand strategies and battle tactics. Um, I think we know that bloodthirsty zealot is probably going to be the number one grand strategy that people choose from. It it's very hard to fail that grand strategy. It, it's essentially, you know, either everything has to fight or has died during the battle. So I think there's a couple of things where you just got to be very conscious of your support heroes, your canary, your bow snakes. If you're taking bow snakes to make sure they get into combat, because they often, you know, especially like you know your canary, you might not always go in for combat but bloodthirsty zealots is probably the easiest grand strategy we have on the table um do you have a favorite grand strategy at all yeah i look like i like i use like bloodthirsty zealots a lot but i also think like not by destruction is also cool uh, if you run for example morafi and the viper you have the basically two models that like can't really die because you can always cast the viper to to, to like destroy a terrain so it could be even like easier to achieve than like bloodthirsty zealots, especially if you like running the uh, bow snakes. Because for example, if you table the army, you must miss like you might miss the grand strategy, 
because you need to have them in the combat basically and like not by destruction but not every like events use like defensive terrain so if they don't it's like basically not worth taking at all because you'll be giving like three points yeah and, uh, and like you know con conquered in the name of kane might not be bad if you want to do steed of shadow and you've got a cauldron that can get into enemy territory but you're setting up a lot of things that bloodthirsty zealots is just much easier to, to achieve yeah because usually you will achieve this because opponent like even if you run like post snakes opponent wants to get into them so i think that there's like only like a little like maybe not much like situations when you won't have like all units in combat so because you want them in combat basically so it's hard not to have them there yeah yeah this is a couple things where you if you've got like a, a little hag queen on foot or your canary uh heart renders that aren't very good in combat um there are a couple of units that you you doom fire warlocks maybe you don't get into combat you just got to be conscious to get them at least to a fort once uh, and just be mindful of getting them in because you can find yourself at the end of the game you've avoided combat you lose your grand strat yep what about your battle tactics? Are there ones from a witch elf or a elven focus point of view, ones that kind of stand out for you? Yeah, there are a lot because you got to like score extra points with like witch elves. So both like clash of arms and title blades are like really good and they are like quite like easy to achieve because having like units, having like charge with the unit, like in some situations, like really like easy to achieve. The same with Tide of Blades. Of course, it depends on the battle plans because sometimes like the enemy territory is really narrow, so it's not so easy, but it still gives you option to score like one extra victory points. And also like uh, Witch Elves being veterans, you can basically, I think the the one that is like exactly like Tide of Blades that score like extra point for like veterans as well. So by having basically having like a lot of Witch Elves, give you access to the free battle tactics that can score like extra point and aren't that difficult to achieve then you obviously have like cruel delight with like keener eyes so if you run like hard render it's like out of the battle tactic and then i think like executioner sculpt you can like it's something that you can do like in like of course it's like really hard etc but if you don't have a choice and there is like no other battle tactic to achieve you you got to try this and then the same with like shadow stalkers you can also try to achieve this because it would be like eight plus charge with reroll so it's like not so bad uh, so i think all of them are like all of them are like achievable like depending on the units you take and your playstyle etc if you play like hagnar you got like easy one versus chaos so like all of the battle tactics like basically you can write a list that can like try to achieve like any of them which is like huge yeah, compared to other like books. Yeah, between the battle tactics in the battle pack and the uh, what we've got in our book, it's very easy to score your battle tactics. You have such a great option as a daughter's player, uh, so much so that some tournaments are already saying play in the battle pack because daughters of Cain just have such a significant boost. And even like Clash of Arms being the, if like me, a, a very witch elf, Sisters of Slaughter heavy army, if I if I charge two or more units um, and they're witch elves or Sisters of Slaughter, I actually get an extra victory point. And you don't see a lot of those mechanics in the current General's Handbook. So being able to score three three um, 
points for Clash of Arms. It's just so great. Yeah, but I think like banning them is like not a good way because basically they are part of the army. So if you don't like some part of the army, you can also ban like other stuff, like maybe just ban like uh, Allegiant's abilities or something. Because some obviously some armies have like better uh, abilities than others. So I think it all needs to be like seen in a vacuum. Because, for example, in the last tournament, I didn't do like much of the Daughters of Cain like tactics anyway. So it's not like it's not as big of an advantage as some people like think it is. Because you, you still need to use them, you need to have those units alive. So I think it's like it's kind of similar to other abilities like that. If people get like hammered by it and lose a, lose a game because of it, they think that it's like really overpowered. And if they don't, they wouldn't even care or like notice it. I, I'm not, just for, for clarity, like I'm not an advocate of banning and just keeping within books. I think there's an argument where you could just play within book and it'd be interesting to see how it goes. I look forward to a day where all factions have their battle tactics. At the moment, there's just a, a, a variance, right? I play Gloom Spike Kits as well, and I have no faction battle tactics. So hopefully in six months' time, everyone has their options and there's less kind of complaints on the table. But uh, I, I can appreciate that if I go to a tournament, some armies have much better advantage and some uh, like already starting on hard mode. Yeah, but I think it works like even with the like, book ones. Some armies will get them like really easily, and some of them will have, will get, like suffer a lot to do them. This is not the show for that discussion. I'm just yeah. calling out that that some tournaments, because I guess because the battle tactics are so good. Some uh, tournaments are saying, uh, let's just play only in the battle plan. But you have provided two lists that I want to kind of put all this into practice, right? So you yeah. so you talked about some of the benefits. You talked about how you're thinking about your army. Um, I want to see how you put it together. So here's one of two lists you've provided. Um, this one being the Hagnar. So we're going to get plus one to the Blood Rites table um, for the faction. So you've got yourself Marathi Kane. Uh, that comes in both varieties. So you've got your little and big Marathi. You got yourself the Hag Queen on Cauldron of Blood with the Xerus Orator and the Crown Blade. So you haven't gone the Crown of Woe. Okay. No, I think that I think that's a mistake. Okay, you must have been yeah. a mistake there. You yeah. Crown of Woe should be on there. Yeah, uh, yeah and then you got yeah. the Sacrament of Blood. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> there is like the I, I don't have like the Crown Blade on it, so. What, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You got the Crown of Woe. Okay, okay. Uh, you got and you got your High Glider Glare Tricks. Um, you got 20 witch elves, 10 witch elves, 10 witch elves, 10 blood stalkers, uh, five canary and, um, a heart of fury. So you haven't gone the double heart renders, but you have gone in and got yourself a unit of 10 snakes. Um, interesting as well. I'd love your thoughts on the combination between blade and bucklers and, um, double, double knives. Like, yeah. you know, why, why have you gone the way that you've gone? So, I guess talk me through the list. What's it trying to do? You're at two thousand points on the nose. Your battle regiment and bounty hunters, um, and you're coming in at four drops. Yeah, I think that it's like more like the army that I like to play with. So it's more like the control army instead of being like ultra aggressive or ultra defensive. So that's why I got ten like blood stalkers because they can like give me ability to control like the battlefield to free up Morafi. Some people will obviously play around this because it's still like a lot of like shooting attacks, especially with like uh, Morathi Kane like command ability. So that's a lot of like stuff that I 
uh, that can like make like my opponent uncomfortable with because sometimes if you don't have like shooting people get like a lot of like uh, more like aggressive development etc so right now like opponent needs to like watch like his like movement his ranges so it makes like the game more difficult for him or her and then i have like a lot of other control stuff like 20 witches with late bucklers because they like they can hit like a lot of like attacks with gladiatrix at rent one but also they are like four up safe because that there's something like we didn't discuss before because like the bucklers get better because they change like their safe characteristic so by uh, having the cauldron of blood like aura you get like plus one to save like so they are like four up and then you can use like all our defense to make them more like re resilient etc uh, i have like only five ignore uh, half renders because that's what like fit into the army but i think they are still like really good to put them like on objective or to score like the battle tactic with morafi for any like battle tactic that like forces you to have like units in your opponent territory or need like the terrain so they can still do like a lot of like battle tactics and they are cool cool like stuff to have like in reserve so the army is like designed to be played to soak like a lot of damage with heart of fury obviously the blood stalkers are like much harder to kill with cauldron and not being like veterans as well so that's one of the reasons i have like 10 of them and i don't have like iron scale because i thought that they cost like 360 points and give you like a lot of stuff. And if you take like 15 and iron scale, it's up to like almost 700 points. So we are paying yeah. like a lot of tax because if you take like iron scale, I think you are like forced to take like blood sisters then and it like makes like it changes the army completely. So if you want to take only 15 blood stalkers, you need to pay like 115 points tax for iron scale which I don't think is worth it, especially with like veterans like Keyword, because you don't want this on like Bloodstalkers, basically. I'm glad you called that out because in this particular list, those Bloodstalkers, or if you brought in you know, your Blood Sisters, um, they are not battle lines, so they're not going to be veterans. So it means you don't have to worry about bounty hunters, which actually might make them good bounty hunters for the bounty hunters because you don't have to worry about that extra damage. Yep. So... Uh, a good consideration and why you might not, and if you weren't going to reinforce them into a unit of 15, then unless you're struggling to meet your battle line requirements, um, you don't need to. So, and also uh, like, can... yeah. And, and also was like one more really important in this army is that you got go like it's Hagnar. So you go into like Brat Rice, like really fast. So basically Morafi from the second round is like plus one to hit. So, and from the third round is plus one to wounds. So even if you like losing like wounds from her and you are playing like really smart opponent that can take like wounds of her, she will get like fighting on a full bracket for like two rounds of combat, which is like really big. And then you have like, in a, it also like this list played like really well in a late game, because if you got like any uh, units left, you got basically five plus ward on one of them in turn three. You got Heart of Fury, so you got like a lot of stuff to be like recycled again. So you got like a lot of resources in this army. So you got like also five units, it's kind of like enough. Like the Hack Queen on Cauldron is also something that opponent got to worry about. So it's not like small hero because she can hit like a truck and then she's like the big model. So it's like another unit that you need to worry about. 
Yeah, and like, you know, as Obsidian saying, you know, 10, 10 stalkers is generally enough. I don't run 15. Um, 10 is usually enough for me. Um, and I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, your high Gladiatrix is going to be supporting your 20 Witch Elves, um, being that her boost doesn't support the snakes. Um, your... Yeah, she's basically there to make like the Witch Elves like much better. Because they, I use them more like the screen and the control stuff in this list, and I use like most of the damage comes from like Morafi, but Stalkers and Cauldron, but they can also like the extra rent makes them like more different. Sometimes the opponent will activate, for example, unit fighting the Blood Stalkers first, so I can attack with like Witch Elves with rent one. So that's a lot of like I think that's a lot of stuff that she get, gives my army like this in this like particular like list. Given that you're four drops and you will often, not always, but you'll have a good chance of choosing who goes first, is this the type of army that you would prefer to go second? Now, obviously, there's a lot of, like, battle plan stuff and opponent-type stuff, but do you normally like to give away first turn? Or um, is this something that you'd like to be aggressive and, and, and get into your opponent's face in turn one? Yeah, I think with this list, I would, like, give the turn away. Because like I I don't think it's like a good list to be like double turned with. On the other hand, you can put like it got like a lot of like stuff that can like prepare you for that. Because you can like pop up like Heart of Fury, you can like screen with witchels. So it's not so easy. Even if you are like double turned, you should like have like enough stuff alive to have like a goal to win the game anyway. But I would like take the I would like give the turn away like in the majority of the cases unless I playing like some like crazy alpha strike list. But I don't think there are like many of them in the meta right now. Uh, also, I'm at the, I I think the only consideration is like bounty hunters. So I might like scrap bounty hunters and take for example like two drop. But I think like bounty hunters of which else we friend is like really cool against like a lot of armies. Even if you are playing like the mirror matchup or something like this, that extra damage is like really cool, especially I think on Witch Elves because they will die anyway. So there is like no like, there is no bad thing to do about them. In this like situation, you can have them in Bounty Hunters and Veterans. What's your thoughts on maybe uh, using Witch Elves in Expert Conquerors? Uh, I don't think it's worth it because if if my opponent wants to, he will probably like kill them. So it's like not I, I don't think the witches are like resilient enough to do this. Maybe if you run like the 30 with blade backlers and hug queen on cauldron, then they are like really hard to kill. Because you got basically like 30 wounds, like it's a four up save, plus all out defense, I think, as well, plus world save on six plus. I think you can get to the world save on five in like second battle round if you really want on second or, or fire hard of fury so maybe you can use them by running 30 but that's a lot of points for such a unit so, i was just thinking yeah. i was actually thinking the reverse i was thinking of you to a 10 where they might take some damage and you might only have like two or three witch elves left they're still a significant threat if they're counting as three models on an objective and you got three that's still nine they're counting as nine on an objective so um, even the smallest unit becomes uh, a potential threat. But I also do like the Witch Elves being um, 
uh, being bounty hunters because if they're running double blades, it's three attacks apiece. Um, you can get some pretty consistent damage out of them. And then for every hit against a, a GV is going to be two damage. So um, I can see pros and cons on either side. And I imagine there are some people listening to this wondering about the expert conquerors part. Yeah, I think I think especially in this list, you can like making them experts like conquerors is really like a strong consideration because it's more like like I said, it's more sort of the control list. So you could like have them in expert conquerors and make like I think it it would make the life like more difficult for some armies that can that can really that, that that need to like score the points like early like really badly. You know, Maestro mentioning, you know, which elves in Expert Conquerors um, would force your opponent to put effort into dealing with them before they take the objective. I guess maybe when I think about it, I don't want my opponent to do that because with the with the um, the Crown of Woe and getting my four up rally, um, not for, sorry, Zerus Zealot Orators gives you the four up rally. Yep. Um, I, you know, I want to keep around that one or two witch elves left, right? If I can keep it out of combat put down the four up rally i can easily grow it back so actually maybe that's a reason why i don't want to do expert conquerors because i want to i want them to allow me to do the have one or two left and grow it back and then they forget not they forget like i, I got you but you know it allows me to rebuild as they're focusing on marathi they're focusing on the the blood stalkers they're focusing on the other threat pieces yeah and i think also like one note is that it depends on the meta because if you are in the meta that has like a lot of for example like post goils or dragons etc then maybe you will go with expert conquerors because like bounty hunters would be like not really like in a good spot if you are not facing a lot of like veterans in your meta yeah yeah i think i think we're in this interesting time where a lot of people are going bounty hunters uh and th there's not a lot of people are kind of trying to avoid gvs as much as possible and there might come a time where maybe the value's not there. Um, anything else you'd kind of talk about? Like, how does this list win? Like, how, what are some of the ways you're going to win? Is it the, the Bloodstalkers are going to do some pew-pew, Marathi goes up and does some damage, you're 20? How does this work? Yeah, it, like, it works on doing, like, auto-battle tactics, like, pretty easily. Also can do, like, the extra ones for extra victory point. And then it wins, like, I think it, it, that's an army designed to make, like, Morathi the best that she can be. So you put, like, a lot of, like, heavy lifting on her to do the damage while the rest of the army is, like, zoning the board out, taking objectives, like, sitting on the objective sometimes. So basically you put Morathi forward and then you go with the rest, rest of the army to support her. Because I think that's why Hagnar is so good with Morathi. She's, like, more... Ma pretty much very real, real, reliable like piece because she's like two plus to hit you can go all out slaughter on her you, you don't waste like command points on uh, for example like all out attack so that's a lot of stuff that she does in this like in this kind of list yeah and then yeah. even even if she dies you basically have like still like cauldron you still have like stalkers you still have like witches you've got the attributes so if you manage to tie a lot of like opponent stuff, you got like a lot of value from the other units as well. And you don't have like big target that enemy can like opponent can target. Because usually if you run like 15 stalkers, people will go after them. And here like 10 blast stalkers are a nice target as well, but you got like other stuff to deal with as well. 
So you got a, le- a lot of threats to different uh, opponents as well, because even the witch elves, you've got the Atrix, they can do like a lot of damage, for example, to uh, veterans. So that's a lot of stuff that can work and you can like mix and match it against like certain opponents. Uh, as you go sort out your dog, I'm going to go your second list and and um, I'll read it out to yep. the crew if you want to. Uh, the second list being the Drakey Geneth list. So this is going to be the, the minus one to rend or giving you plus one to rent your rend yep. as well as um, the, the boost on the charge. But you've got yourself Marathi, Kane, obviously. Uh, you've got yourself the High Gladiatrix. You've got two of them, funnily enough. Uh, as well as the Blood Rack Medusa, which has um, the Shadowstone Artifact, the Mind Razor, and the Zealous Orator Command Trait. You've got yourself 20 Witch Elves with these, uh, the Double Blades. You've got 20 Witch Elves Double Blades. You've got 10 Witch Elves Double Blades, 10 Witch Elves Double Blades, 10 Witch Elves Double Blades. Uh, and then five units, so two units of Canary, um, which is probably what people were expecting. I know, um, I know when we looked at the last list, I think the last list was a little bit like, oh, he's only got one unit of Canary. And I think you mentioned at the earlier in the show, um, Daughters of Cain have such a good variety of, of battle tactics, either in the battle plan as well as our book, that we actually can give away and we don't quite need the um, the Canary one. So uh, it's good to have that variety. This list is 1985, so there is a chance that you get the Triumph. Um your six drops because your battle regiment, bounty hunter, and command entourage. So, um, how's this one work? What's what's going on here? Like, is the is the kind of armies that I like I'll have to play because it's like multiple small units army. So I got uh, like a lot of small units that, that like do a lot of stuff because in this army, like every unit is basically a huge threat. Because in Draiki, even the 10 witch elves with like knives, it's like 31 attacks with random charge. So it's really hard to play around this. And even like, even if opponent kills some stuff, it's still like a lot of stuff back on the table. So here, for example, you you use Morafi really aggressive because basically you want to tag the opponent, kill the stuff, like put her in the on enemy territory if you can, and then go really aggressive with your army. Like basically you're recycling the like resources that you have. So you got like the Blood Rack Medusa for Mind Razor, because if you cast it, basically like any unit can like wipe like almost anything because they're like rent free, damage don't charge, etc. So like yeah, so that's like a lot. That's why the that's why the Blood Rack is the general as well, because she will usually like stay back to keep like the stuff in the range. And you want the Gladiatrixes to go like forward a lot. So this is like the really aggressive like style, but with like multiple multiple small units, which I love because like even though you can like you can also bring them back with like Zebus Orator and stuff. So there's like you can trade like units like comfortably because opponent like for example on like Daughters of Game Turn, like opponent we we want to like he he needs to trade like basically with you. And he, and he can like opponent can get like really good trades, so you got like also you will do like a lot of battle tactics for extra VP because you got five units of witch elves, so all those like extra like VPs are easy to achieve and like they also play that way. So you want them in your opponent territory sometimes to lock the opponent up in their like deployment zone maybe. So 
So we will do like a bunch of battle tactics, the Kinerai Heartrenders as well. So they're like another two, two like units that like opponent can worry about. So it's like really aggressive, but with a lot of like stuff to screen, to trade off. Uh, so that's the kind of army that I like. I enjoy playing like a lot, like recently because I had like a couple of like multiple small unit armies. I think they like work like really well in this meta because I took like uh, MSU army to the tournament as well. Like usually opponents don't have like enough units to deal with like a lot of other like units. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of objectives in the current general's handbook, much more than we had in the last one. So you've got a lot more key threats out there, um, and ten witch elves, uh, especially because the blood rights table will just buff you automatically. You know, ten witch elves. You know, getting a plus one to hit, plus one to wound automatically through blood rights uh, on the charge with Drakey, getting the extra point of rend. Um, if they're in expert conqueror, sorry, they're, they're battle bounty hunters. Like, like, even if they're not in Bounty Hunters, that's a lot of damage. There's three attacks apiece. Uh, what are they, hitting on threes, wounding on twos? No, three, no threes and threes. Threes and threes unless the Gladiatrix is around. The Gladiatrix is around. Uh, yeah, it's three and threes, and you can, like, all out attack them. So from the, I think from the third round, it's, like, two, 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 twos and threes. I, I think in some, like, different lists I had, like, Avatar of Kane instead of hard renders, but like I don't think it worked like really well. Not with so many like units because it gives plus one to wound rolls, but with so many units going like really aggressive, it was like really hard to keep all of them like in range. Morgan making interesting comment because the last the last list you showed off had the Cauldron of Blood and that's a, that's a totem and more importantly to Witch Elves, uh, it gives you is it plus one to wound against with Witch Elves? Um, it gives you a little buff. Do you does this list kind of miss the the Cauldron? Like I I don't think so. This like list miss it because like Cauldron like wouldn't keep up with them because I use this like list really aggressively. So the units that I want fighting won't be like in range of the cauldron. It will stay back with like the rest of the units because it comes in waves. So it only helps in your like opponent if your opponent like charges you or something, because it it won't usually be in a range of this like army. If I go like really aggro, it's like it it won't keep up. It's like six six inch movement and then. I also I think that that's why this army works is because it's like works like totally independently. So you can have like even one unit, it don't need any heroes around. Like Gladiatrix is nice, but I have two of them and I can run with them. You don't have to worry about being in a range or like almost anything. Because like 10 witch elves on charge, even alone, they are like usually a big threat to units because they will like they will like kill like stuff like skinks or like other stuff that's like not really cool so a lot of stuff like will die anyway and if you need like extra damage you have gladiatrix you have like morafi etc to deal with like stuff that is like harder to deal with yeah yeah i think that's probably one of the challenges that i found is keeping the cauldron in range for the witch elves because the witch elves can um run and charge which means their threat and just their their speed is just you, you can't keep up without the steed of shadows um spell it's just it's it's so hard 
even keeping within the high gladiatrix bubble is quite difficult. So um, I, I can appreciate that. But Jeff, um, good question from Jeff as well that I'd love to hear your thoughts on is um, the Cauldron of Blood, by the way, with the with the Blood Shield is such a good ability. That's why I love um, that 18-inch that aura of plus one to save. It can be quite attractive. But question from Jeff talking about how do you like Marathi after she lost her plus one to cast in the current magic heavy meta? And knowing that we've got Zench and Lumineth coming down the line as well, um, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I don't rate Morafi at all as like a spellcaster. I didn't like, I didn't even with plus one. For example, at the worlds, I usually don't even cast with her because miscasting with her like has like Morafi like a lot. So many times I didn't even like, especially for example, like in a first turn, you could like, there was always an argument for casting a lot of spells because you could like, slam the Morafi into the even if you if you even if you did miscast you could like charge the Morafi in the first turn because she would like take the free wounds anyway so it would like speed the things up but there was always like the way out of this but if she gets like the extra extra free wounds you don't want in like your second turn or third turn i don't think the spells like justify like the trees because i did like miscast her like several times so it's not so rare with like free casts. It's not. It's not so like it can like kill your like whole battle plan for the certain like army or a certain like matchup, etc. So I don't like use her like as a spellcaster a lot. Obviously, I will cast the spells with her, but some of them are like not worth it. Maybe you will cast only my tracer. Maybe something to like get you out of the trouble or something like that. But only, for example, for a Mystic Shield or something, I wouldn't use her as a spellcaster. That's all right. I think your dog agrees. I think my 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 response to that is um, if you want to get that consistency from Marathi, you want to be taking Chronomatic Cogs as the endless spell, getting to re-roll those casts. And, you know, for Black Horror, which is such a great threat, getting a, a consistent Mind Razor, you, you want to take Cogs. Yeah, but I think there is, like, the, the other side to this. If you, like, re-roll the casts, you also have like bigger chance to miscast as well. So True. for example, if you fail a mind tracer, but for example, it's a five or six, you, if you reroll this, like the chance to miscast like goes up. So I think it depends. Like, like I said, some, I know some people like casting like a lot of spells with her, but I try like my playstyle with Morafi is always to try to keep her like alive as long as I can. Because even though she's not in a fight, like she's something that opponent need to deal with. Because basically, she opponent needs to uh, take the free wounds of her, like in his turn. And that's a, sometimes like a lot of pressure if you have like less units on the table. So if you keep her like alive long enough, like you need like opponent to commit some of his like power into her like every turn. So. Like it's always been for me, like keeping her like as alive as I can. So for example, if I can't like, if I can justify like charging into unit because I know that I might not like kill, like wipe the unit out with her, I might not charge with her because sometimes like putting her like three winches away gives you like the same thing. So you basically lock this unit in the deployment zone, etc. but you are not taking the damage in your turn. 
I, I I will admit that in my last tournament, I actually killed Marathi. She had taken nine wounds. She miscast, rolled a six for her damage, didn't take a single ward save. So I popped Marathi against Nighthaunt by herself on a miscast. So I can appreciate why you're feeling and saying what you're saying because um, losing Marathi and taking that damage early on um, can suck. But I also know the benefits of like getting Mind Razor off on the charge. It can just absolute be a terror. Yeah, but like like I said, that there is always like risk reward with like casting spells with her. But how my like it's not only about like spell casting about like how I play the Marathi. It's always like uh, only picking the fights that I know that I can win. Or unless sometimes you need to like tuck something, so it's not like. But it depends on the situation. But I'm not like charging her always into enemy lines, etc. I want to ensure that if I do, I will like kill the unit like altogether, not to be like strike, not a, a, not for them to like strike back at Morathi. And I know, I know, people have looked at Doomfire Warlocks as a great way to get a bit more of reliable spell casting, or it might be a reason to um, give up Zealous Orator and go Master of Magic. So, you know, if you want to get those, if you still want to get Mind Razor off and you don't want to risk Marathi, there's obviously a lot of good choices. And I think fundamentally, what we're hearing here, folks, and Bart's kind of summarized it right well. You know, Bart's obviously a fan of your list, but it's obviously more importantly that Doc is in a good spot. You know, you you can take Marathi. You don't have to take Marathi. You want to run snakes. You want to run witch elves. You want to run shadow stalkers. You want to run oh, avatar. There's a lot of good value, and there's no single one list that rules them all. Um, there's just a lot of flexibility and variety, which um, I know that I was struggling with because in the last book it was just snakes, 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 and I was not interested in snakes. Yeah, I feel like the last book was basically you. You got to take a lot of like uh, a lot of like power snakes because they were like they were do they were doing like all the heavy lifting. I enjoyed like playing in Hagna, but I enjoy like the new book like much more because you got like a lot of options. You can basically play different army with like a little bit of different playstyle. Like every time you pick up like Daughters of Cain army, and also I think it's like really good for like new players as well. Because basically they can take like any units they want or they like or they have painted and they will be good. So they will avoid the trap or buying like stuff that then you won't, you won't ever use. Because some, some people like to like start with an army, they want to go com uh, competitive, uh, but then they are like, they are stuck with the models that they won't use, like for example, in tournaments. And with Daughters of Cain, you can use like almost any unit in a book and make it like work in like a certain army. And then you can like change like the uh, playstyle a lot. Because for example, Calibron will play like totally differently to Hagnar. It's like really cool. So it's not like, for example, I like the Nighthound book, but I think with Nighthound, it's like you you have like also a lot of units, but they do the same thing. So basically, if you take, for example, like Quicksilver Dead. It will play like a lot of like Scarlet Doom, but with different units. But the playstyle will be like kind of similar. You got like units of ten, like Revenants or like Haridans. They do like things like differently a little bit, but the playstyle is the same. And the change between like Calibron or Draiki or Hagnar is like more like more diverse and more like there is like bigger gap between playing those like playstyles. 
Well, I was going to ask you this question a little bit later, but I'll ask it now because Mark has jumped in the chat saying, speaking of Nighthaunt, um, Mark's a Nighthaunt player. I have um, playing playing a friend um, in, upcoming and that friend plays Daughters of Cain. Do you have any tips? Or more importantly, how do you lose as a Daughters of Cain player? Like what are the ways that you that someone will defeat me? Or what are some of the ways that I could throw my game away? I think like it's really uh, it's like really easy to throw a game away because the army is like really fragile, so you really need to really need to keep like a lot of stuff like inside like some kind of bubbles or some kind of like uh, also kind of bubbles or kind of buffs etc. So it's always hard for like for example new players to keep without all the ranges all the stuff. There's like a lot of measuring etc. So it's like if you if you pick like right units to pick off with, when you are playing against the Daughters of Cain army, you can make like life really difficult for uh, for daughters of uh, daughters of Cain uh, player because there are some crucial like stuff for example like a cauldron in certain list or gladiatrix. Some people like avoid them, but you, sometimes killing them like is the easiest like fix. So because a lot of like heavy lifting in Daughters of Cain army, some small heroes. Whether it's Gladiatrix or Iron Scale or like even Bloodrack Medusa, they are like if opponent like knows what he's doing, it's like e pretty easy to kill those stuff because they are like fragile small heroes that like mean a lot of uh, a lot of uh, mean a lot of for us like Daughters of Cain players, but uh, people sometimes like forget about them and focus on other stuff. Also, like remember to kill like units all together. So you then you play around like Zidus Orator because if you kill the unit, you can rally it back. So you need to remember about all the stuff that Daughters of Cain like list does basically because there are a lot of tricks that like Daughters of Cain players can use. For example, like Crown of Vow and etc. But you you might be like out of the range. So for example, maybe not piling with the whole army etc. So I think like it's pretty easy to lose like with Daughters of Cain because. Like right now, it's kind of like the class cannon army that does a lot of damage, but you like losing stuff really fast. So you are you you need like really like spot on decision making, like what you need to activate, etc. To make it one work. thing I want to bring bring up, and I'm not going to get into the specifics here that Lee wants to go into because we will be here for ten years going into the different tips. But I, I do want to call out this point here around the second part where it says against Emerald Host and. Something to look out for, because I know you've been conscious of not taking damage on Marathi. Emerald Host has an ability, it's 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 a faction ability, actually, that allows you to pick, I think it's D3 units on the table, and basically you can curse them and do mortal wounds. So that's an easy way even to not be in combat where Marathi um, can be dying. So I think against Emerald Host, I might be a little bit more aggressive knowing that if you curse me, you're going to be doing damage regardless if I'm combat or not in combat. So I might as well just go in and make the most of it. While I think for a lot of other armies, it's it's very much about holding myself back until I'm confident. Whether I'm playing for the double turn, whether I'm whether I'm not deploying on the line, and that was probably one lesson that I learned with my witch elves is that because I can run and charge, I don't have to deploy on the deployment line um, because I can I can pull back. It's a bit more of a defensive strategy. I'm out of magic and shooting range mostly. Uh, and I'm not really giving it away on the objective because I can still run and charge. So I've got the movement to kind of make up while a Nurgle force, for example, if they deployed almost on their back line, 
um, it would take them 10 years to get onto an objective. Yeah, like uh, I think like the movement of the like Lords of Cain army is uh, like one of the stalling points for it. Because like witch elves are like run and charging, uh, like the snakes are movement eight, which is like a lot with the boards being like smaller right now. So there's like a lot of, I think, I think the movement phase is the more, most important like phase in Age of Sigmar. And the Daughters of Cain played like really well. That's why they, they were like historically, they were like always very strong because because of that like because of that movement and all the stuff that you like mentioned that you can like deploy like further away you can like do like run and charge you get then you also got plus one to run and plus one to charge from like from the second battle round so they are also like pretty pretty like sorry reliable at movement so there is a lot of stuff going on even like the stuff like hard renders they also like play into this like high mobile really like really fast army that it's like really hard to deal with because like all those units if they charge they do like a lot of damage even like 10 witch elves in drake it's like a lot of attacks so you need to like keep your movement like really spot on against like daughters of Cain as well yeah there's there's been lists that i've been running where i haven't even run um bounty hunters you know because i think bart bart's made a good comment it depends on the type of list but you know doc wants to control the drops as much as possible um because you are fragile especially if you're building around witch elves and sisters of slaughter right get the heart of fury up if you really need it but (laughs) but also to, to determine right i think daughters can really take advantage of the double turn so um knowing who goes first and goes second can really help you with your deployment and when to kind of pull the lever to go and attack um, versus when to kind of dance around because the blood rights table and the sippy cup and, and um, sacrament of blood, knowing when you want to launch an attack. And I'll often, often attack with two units, usually at once, whether it's to pull down a single unit or to kind of maximize those buffs. I'm always thinking about how movement can win me the game. More so with daughters because a poor movement, I can get punished really quickly. Yeah, I think it's like it's the it's the army that's like plays like the movement phase. So, but but it's like it's true for like a lot of armies. But I think especially for daughters of Cain because that's what they yeah <laughs> that's what like they they like I think they live and die by how well you are playing the movement phase. Basically, yeah. <laughs> because like it's so like that's why that's why Morafi is like so big for some armies, for for some daughters of Cain list because she can like dictate the movement phase and also not only your movement phase but also like opponent movement phase because she takes away a lot of space, basically for the opponent to hide from her or to try to play around her or feed her like some units to fight with, etc. So that's why I think the Morafi model is really well designed to go into like the rest of Kane army. We talk a lot about Morathi, by the way, because she's 700 points or 680 points. So if you are including her, there's a lot of tricks and things to consider. But I think we've kind of, we, we can definitely talk about the fact that you don't have to run. You 700 points, I get myself two cauldrons of blood. I get more units of um, of witch elves, or I bring myself in some doomfire warlocks. I get myself some potential allies. There's some so many great allies I can bring into, into Daughters of Cain. So don't think that you have to have Marathi. I think... Um, she's a great centerpiece she's a great anvil but she can die by turn two so you got to think about how you use her and you make the most of that essentially one third of your army 
Yeah, I think like I use like a lot of armies that didn't have Morafi, even even in the older books as well. So for example, I played like MSU Stalkers list with like a lot of shooting, which works like really fine without Morafi because instead of her, you got like a lot of shooting. But I think you can like, I think definitely you can work like a lot of armies. For example, like Hagnar with like four avatars of Kane. It's like really good, I think. Uh, so the same with like the different like armies with like, I think Malusai, because like a lot of people are looking at Morafi giving you plus one attack bubble for battle, battle uh, for blood sisters. Yeah. But, but it's not like, it's not really that good because usually you want to activate Morafi first, not to take free wounds. And usually you will wipe out the unit that she's combat with. So, and once she's not within like three inches of an enemy unit, she won't get like the blood sisters won't get the buff. So you might like run blood sisters without her, like I think easily as well, because looking at that buff, it won't really work on a table that much. So it's not worth taking her for only that buff, like for example, for blood sisters army. And I think if you take like a lot of blood sisters, they, they could also be like awesome without her because they are like yeah. fast. And they and in fives, I think they you don't don't even care about battle shock. Because you need to lose, I think, three of them to lose one on a six roll. So it's not so bad. So I think like I think the Daughters of Kane like hook gives like players like a lot of flexibility, what they want to like play with. So couple of fun. Yep. Yeah, go no, ahead. Sorry, keep going. No, I was just gonna say, oh, sorry, I was gonna interrupt with another question, but finish your thought. Uh, no, it's like, like we said, it's like the internal balance is so good that you can basically write an army without Morafi and use like different buffs, like to use like full advantage of like what like Daughters of Hain can offer. Something like that, that's a bit of a mini Morafi is the um, the Incarnate of Gur. Um, would you consider the Incarnate? I mean, Incarnate and Morathi is a lot, very expensive. It's almost like that Morathi Gotrek list we used to have in the old yeah. book. And, and, you know, I potentially think that the Incarnate could be a good replacement for Marathi. Get yourself a, an extra boost to cast for the Bound Wizard, potentially. Um, and you get free up some points. You know, very similar combat monster that the Marathi and you know, obviously the utility is not there. Where do you stand on the Incarnate in, uh, in a dock list? I think you'll only use it as, like, like you said, as a substitute to Marathi. I don't think running Morathi and Incarnate is that good because I don't think because you can bound him to Morathi. But but on the other but on the other hand, there's argument that like Incarnate is much better in a wild form than it's like in a bound form because you still like decide whether wh when to move him. And he got like extra, like I think run and charge then. So you got like yeah. extra mobility, etc. Uh, so I think if you want to run, for example, like the Cauldron of Blood and which else like heavy army, I think the Incarnate could be like good like replacement for Morafi because you got like 300 points like left. So basically it's like Incarnate incarnate and I think 20 Witches and Gladiatrix for Morafi. So I think it's like the fair trade if you want to like, because like a lot of like stuff that Morafi does, the Incarnate will do as well. So yeah, you just obviously you, won't get the you won't get the hero face fight. You there's there's certain things you won't get, but you are saving. Yeah, but I points. think if you if you're going with like witch elves, I don't think the fighting in the hero face is that big because you either kill the staff on a charge or you get killed. 
So yeah, it's not like it was like pretty big in the old book when you could like take like a lot of damage and then strike back. But with like this uh, this book, you don't have like the defensive abilities anymore. So if if you don't kill stuff on a charge, you will get like wiped out. You won't survive. Like which else won't survive to your hero phase basically. Maybe some of them, and then it's like usually not worth it to like spend a CP to make them fight. So it's very like rarely came in play if you want to like fight with like witch elves again. And that's why when you're running a witch elf or a sister of slaughter army, it's holding back for the right time, and then you launch your attack and you do enough damage that you wipe them out, because on the hit back they won't take it as well. Um, especially in the GV meta, they will just absolutely get slapped. So it's, it's finding that right time, you know, and sometimes turn one is the right time. You want to get in before they get into you. Sometimes it's holding back till turn two or turn three. And it sucks because you want, you really want to let go and you want to like launch them. But without those um, plus one to hit plus one to wounds, uh, depending on how you build, you'll find that the witch elves just get so much better when you start tapping into high gladder tricks, you start tapping into witch brew, you start tapping into, blood rights table three and four yeah i think like i think like there is like a lot of like stuff to consider when playing like the rest of game like that because like like you said they won't like survive like long enough so you got to really that, that that's where the difficulty comes in to like to choose like which units to activate first when to go for your charges like not to overcharge because, for example, charging with two two units means that the second one could be like killed. So there is like a lot of like stuff to consider and a lot of like small decision making, knowing like what are the strengths of this army and are what are their weaknesses basically. Because like sometimes people like got caught up in charging like multiple units at once and then they are losing like a lot of them because like opponent will activate one of those units and like which else are not like strong enough to take any hit back and if you charge with morafi you want morafi to be activated first on the other hand because you don't want to take the free wounds on her in your turn I'm, I'm actually okay normally what i'll do is i'll charge one unit of witch elves and morafi uh or the shadow queen and i will use the shadow queen and just tag a unit just to kind of reduce the amount of attack backs that can pile in obviously attack with the witch elves first and then with enough you know even if they use all that defense and things like that on Marathi, and if there's a, uh, a cauldron of blood with the blood shield normally there's enough benefits that i can kind of reduce the amount of damage coming back into Marathi. obviously got to pick my my battles and where it goes but um i i 100 agree with you that i will never charge with two units of witch elves just because yeah. one uh, because one will one will die one will die i'm always doing them as waves even if i've got multiple units of 20 i do them as waves yeah, like, and that's the like the lore, lore way how the Dodgers of Cain like plays. So that's also cool that they are like coming at you like all the time in ways and like murdering stuff. So that's that's really like the, that's why I love like the Witch Elves and Gladiatrix because they like this Gladiatrix hero, it like really plays well into like how they should play. Like, because if you imagine how the Dodgers of Cain army should play, it should be like ultra aggressive, like coming to get you like style instead of like standing back and waiting to be hit. Because that's what the case with like older books, because they were like ultra resilient. They were like fire slayers, like level of resilience. 
And it didn't like uh, that's why that's one of the changes that I like in Epic a lot. That they now they, you are forced to play how they should play like on a battlefield, how they are like described to fight and how to describe to like wage war against like their like enemies. So that's like really cool that finally they they like encourage that, that kind of like play style for like daughters of Cain armies. Because if you want to go like uh, sneaky stuff, you can take like Calibron and a lot of like uh, Bloodstalkers that basically strike from the shadows from afar. So there are a lot of like play styles, but you can choose from. So that's really good for the book. So that's why I love the book a lot. And I think it plays really well. And with the abilities, I think it can stay like good, like for a long period of time. Because like, even though like the general handbook changes, you can change the armies because you have like so much option to choose from. It's deep enough. Couple of other burning questions. Um, do you have any favorite allies? Um, I always no. find I'm stretched. I'm stretched for points. Like, uh, and we can bring Stormcast in now. Now Stormcast is back as an ally choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I got to say that I hate allies in Age of Sigmar. I rarely use them. I'm like, I'm I'm playing like almost like only competitive play. But I am always like I, I always love the books, the lore, and all this stuff. And so allying like stuff into armies that I have like feel strong for me. They I think they look like out of place, so I try to avoid them as much as I can. So basically, that's why I would never like use that Gotrek in like Alpha Army. It, like feels like it feels so bad like to use him. So I don't have like I don't have any favorite allies because like I rarely like use them in like any armies that I play. A couple I will call out, given that I'm not as yeah. lore master as you. <laughs> Maybe like the Encantor or the Rune Lord, given that our magic isn't quite that strong, and there's a lot of like uh, Lachlan the Soul Seeker, you know, Thankworth going up the board, like being able to Encantor, like just no, um, or Purple Sun, like again, just being able to to control that a little bit might be helpful. Um, I did play around with the Frostheart Phoenix a little bit and I painted up bloody. It was a blood Phoenix. Um, and that was kind of nice That's to kind cool. of make my army a bit more resilient. But yeah, I, I find traditionally, I just don't have a lot of points, especially if I'm running Marathi. You add your three battle line units. You probably have a cauldron of blood in there. You're, you don't have a lot of wiggle room. Then you add your two Canera units. It's really hard to find points. Yeah, that's, Maybe maybe you can like think about like battle mage for extra like charge range. I think a lot of people are running battle mage right now for like a wide variety of all their armies. As much as I would like to say a Hydra, I tried it even in the old book, in the old general's handbook where there were bonuses for monsters. I can't justify it. The Hydra, the Charybdis can't do it, folks. I'm sorry. It just wasn't working for me. I think um, the Hydra needs to wait for like Malarion Elves or something. Maybe it will get like redesigned. Uh, yeah, I mean, Shadow Stalkers, I, I, uh, you know, like three Shadow Stalker units are the only non uh, Gladian veteran battle line doable. Uh, I think so. Like the, think Shadow, no, they, they will always they will always get like uh, Galitian veteran battle line or if they're if they're in Calibron. If they are battle then... line, they will get like they will be veterans. So there is Correct. no way to play around this. Correct. Yeah. So if you want them as battle line, they're going to be veterans. So, yeah. but they are pretty. But that. as I mentioned, they are like pretty good as veterans because they can like play around the stomping ground like mechanical really well. 
and you can keep them like you can keep them away from trouble if you want. And you can't make Doomfire Warlocks battle line, and you can't make Canary battle line. So no. it's basically yeah. everyone who can be battle line is going to be a GV. There's just like literally no way around it for us. Yeah, that's the way with like Daughters of Cain. Uh, any favorite endless spells? I know you're not a big endless spell person, or at least you don't want Marathi taking spells. Um, I, you know, like obviously Geminids, Purple Sun, Boatman. I, I got to say that I love Viper. Like Viper is like awesome. Like I think like for the shooty snakes, like Purple Sun is better, but Viper will stay like longer for sure, because I think the Purple Sun will get changed like sooner or later. I think it's like too good for certain armies that it won't stay like at this point, uh, price point or at this like rules forever. But I think like the Viper is awesome because like it plays into meta as well. For example, if you are playing against like Sylvanet, it's, it could be really good against like Kurnot Hunters or like other stuff that is like free wounds or more. And now it can like also do like smash to rumble stuff. So I think there is like extra utility. For example, if you play like Beast of Chaos or something, you can kill the Hearthstone with it. So I think the Viper is my favorite like endless spells because also it like looks like insanely good. I found a lot of value in my games against Nurgle with it. It would just straight up eat Black Kings like it was, you know, yeah. a fat man at a buffet. Um, when Blood Knights were really strong on their two-up armor save, boom, you're just eating Blood Knights for days. Um, there's a lot of good value in the Blood the Blood Viper, and it went down in points too. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, it's not yeah, Sun, it's not Cogs. Yeah. Viper is a good one. Unfortunately, the other one, the Blades, I just never take them. Yeah, Blades are like... They are not worth like casting a spell for them. They are better spells to cast. If it was free, I don't think I'd even cast it. Yeah, but Viper is cheaper and better because it got like like we mentioned, it got stamp and like smashed rumble rolls as well. Final question, and I'm going to wrap this yep. up. Um, and this has been great, by the way. Thank you for for persisting. Um, I, I know your dog had some opinions. Um, it was fun. I always love. Yeah, that. here is like one troublemaker. <laughs> Mine's under my feet. My wife's at home, out, out yeah. at the moment. Nice to see you. Uh, or her. I don't know. Your dog. What's your, what's your dog's name? Like, she's called Metallica. Metallica. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, Final... that's, that, that's why she's, like, so loud, so. I just don't want to get demonetized <laughs> by the, the three seconds of uh, Guns N' Roses coming on your ringtone. Yeah. But the last question I've got for you, and I'm going to go make some dinner, is if you were going to add one final war scroll, if you're going to get to change the... Actually, by the way, I, I didn't ask you. Um, the new Underworld's Warband, the um, the the not Shadow Stalkers, but kind yeah. of Shadow Stalkers. Yeah. Have you looked into that, played around with it at all? I, I haven't played around with it yet. Uh, no, I think they're like horrible because basically they're like four upward, but you could take like two units of actual shadow stalkers for the points of those like new new. So there's like no reason to take them. If they were like much cheaper, maybe, but they are not like they are not very good. So they are like almost the high yeah, yeah, it's, it's like almost three hundred points. Yeah, two ninety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember looking at it. and I thought it was a really cool idea. Then I looked at the price and like, nah. Nah, that's not for me. And they do exactly what the Shadow Stalkers uh, do. So, all right. Second last question. Travis has got me. Do you have a, a favorite chaff? I don't think we've got chaff. I think I don't. I don't think I've got anything I can sacrifice. 
Yeah, I use like just I use like which else for that. If I need to screen or sacrifice a unit, it's always like ten which else because they are like the cheapest units available to like sacrifice anyway. Yeah, yeah. You just have multiple versions. Like you're the second yeah. list. It had like lots of tens as well as twenties. Um, yeah. But back to that last question: Is what would you add to the book if you had a chance to add one final war scroll? I think it would be like Kinrai Hero, because I think yeah. Yeah, because like I think the like hero that is like really fast, etc., would be like really good for the rest of game. Because like I think one thing it lacks if you like scrap Morathi is the hero that can give like command abilities or some buffs that could go like really far and be like in a different place. Because all other heroes are like pretty slow, so if you don't have like teleports, they will be stuck in some place. And having a hero is like really fast. It could like give like some maybe some cool buffs, or maybe even make like Kinorai battle line. I think it would be like really like cool addition to the to an army. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I normally I'd have my own opinion, but I think you've nailed it. I think a Kinorai hero that could maybe make them battle line if it's the general, but more importantly, just a mobile hero that could support the Kinorai. Maybe it helps with the uh, the life takers, the more melee focused yeah. ones um they they yeah really and i th and i think it would like r r look really awesome because kinerai like awesome like uh also minis so like the hero of them i think it would like look like amazing guns gun mentioning as well a snake monster would be really cool as like a yeah i like that i like that a snake monster i'm down for that um I like it. Uh, but Peter, this has been awesome. Um, such a good conversation. And it's been a good conversation to now have two versions, right? We had Marcella yep. uh, recently on the channel talking more snake focused. You've come in to give us a bit more around the elves, right? We've talked a lot about Marathi. We've talked a little bit about the witch elves, the sisters of slaughter, the doomfire warlocks, some of the, but you know what? There's other combinations that we haven't talked about. I think there's actually play running two cauldrons, right? I love the slaughter queen on cauldron. I've seen people running two or three of those. Um, I saw Jack Armstrong from the UK, one of the best players in, in that meta. Um, at one point in time, he was running four of the avatars of Canod Foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. th there's so much variety that you can you can get into this book. Um, I've seen people run units of 10 Doomfire Warlocks. They, they can be quite powerful too. So um, absolutely explore the book. It's a lot of fun. Um, is there anything you want to kind of wrap us up with? Any shout-outs? If people want to talk to you, your Twitter handle is below in the episode description um you are on team poland so if you are going to be hopefully you're going to be there next year as well yeah i i think i will i don't know like i'm the captain of the team so i think i will be, I, I will be there but i don't know if i will be playing maybe there will be like better players so it's like up to like everybody to try and like make the team poland so like the space is open we don't have like any anybody who like reserve a spot so the eight best will come for sure whether it's me, we'll see with like tournament results and all the stuff and all other like results at team events, etc. But I think like the final thing that I would like to uh, to say is like the people shouldn't be like uh, horrified by playing Daughters of Cain army, like to try to like uh, start the army because I think a lot of people don't start the Daughters of Cain army because they find it like difficult to play i have like a lot of conversations about this but i think it's the same with like any army it's like it just, it's not an army that you can autopilot right now so i think like a lot of people should try because like the minis are amazing the lore is really cool 
So for me, they are like the best, like Age of Sigmar, and for for sure my favorite. And, and I think probably one thing that turned people off in the past was painting skin. Uh, I know when I talk to people in the past about Daughters of Cain, that was a very intimidating um, element, especially so much skin on the Daughters of Cain and and the Witch Elves uh, and Sis of Slaughter. But with contrast as well, uh, it makes that step a lot um, easier. And for people who are not confident painting faces and painting skin, um, Daughters of Cain take the the contrast really well. So um, that should yeah, be a you barrier. can basically you can also use like mixed arms like this. So. If you don't like a lot of witch elves or a lot of snakes, you can mix them into an army because it will work because like the internal balance is so good that they can also work together. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Hagnar. Hagnar kind of brings it all together. The other yeah, ones exactly. kind of want you to go one way or the other, but Hagnar is like a mixed arms, do whatever you want. And everyone gets the, the pluses. Yeah, the which table. is cool because it's like the capital of like Daughters of Cain. So it makes sense like Lorwise as well. Love it. Any any shout outs, any uh, games clubs, any crew you want to represent before we kind of bring this home? Uh, I, I want to shout out to like to obviously to the whole like scene in Poland because we have like really cool meta with a lot of like cool players. So that's the main one. Like I think that we really like established like a cool like community of like players that's like really friendly and cetera. So that's the big one that I want to make. So shout out to shout out to Poland is basically yeah. that what you're saying. Um, yeah, and today all the players of like Age of Sigmar because I found this like community to be like really great, like with a lot of like helpful people and a lot of like awesome people that like like to support each other against uh, versus like competing like with opinions and etc. So it has it, it it always been great for me. So I'm grateful for that as well. I want to call out Grumdy right at the bottom because actually that's one of the reasons why I started Daughters of Cain. So Grumdy mentioning um, that Daughters of Cain was a great inspiration to get good at painting skin tones. So I actually agree with you. That's actually one of the reasons I got into Daughters because I wanted to learn how to get better at painting skin and faces. So um, it forced me to get better at that. So I actually 100% agree with you there. That's a really good shout out as well. And, you know, going into other armies, I'm feeling way more confident painting skin tones and getting good, good quality skins, both dark and light um, by practicing on daughters. But Peter, you've been an absolute legend. Thank you so much. Go follow this person. Go, go follow your Twitter handle. Um, you are awesome. Your hobby is off the charts. Go search his media and go find the your Cauldron of Blood. It's a combination of like the Coven Throne, the Cauldron. It's it's sexy. It's so good. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was like a blast talking to the, about Daughters of Cain and like what you are doing is also like really cool to having like all the guests from all over the world talking about the Sigmar. So like keep doing this because I think a lot of people like enjoy it a lot. Thank you. No, it's 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 great to, to talk to so many awesome players and kind of get under under the hood and understand how you're thinking about the game. And as the meta unfolds, we, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of considerations and your list will evolve. And, you know, we're only two months into the current general's handbook you know more armies are coming so how your list is going to adapt i think is the journey that we all get to enjoy but peter thank you so much chat yeah. thank you for hanging out thanks for the questions thanks for uh for watching us live or on replay you know the deal here on youtube like subscribe leave a comment let me know what your thoughts are uh patron thank you so much for all your patrons and um peter thank you for your time and thank you for all your insights Thank you. Bye.
Thanks, everyone. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video, as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the video description. I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a one on a redeploy. Thank you.